trust me as your guide, though my path for you is deep, will you lean on your own way, or resolve to follow me? I am still your shepherd king. your mind on things above, everlasting strength is mine, fully trust me, wearied one, trust me. Amen. <clears throat> Let's take our Bibles, turn over to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. And again, it's been a couple of weeks, but we're back in our series, Secrets of Successful Living. What do you do when trouble comes? <clears throat> Boy, that's a good question, huh? Someone says, oh, I got that one figured out. Had a lot of trouble in my day. Well, you may have figured out a couple of things. I hope you're doing the right things. And uh, again, it's... Uh, it's probably not nearly as complicated as we make it at times, but we're going to see here through the course of this series, uh, this particular lesson, I should say, uh, David has a pretty simple solution here. But 1 Samuel chapter 30, <clears throat> beginning in verse 1, 
1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and, excuse me, the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken, and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Again, in the passage, we are, in, uh, are, are introduced to a man, David, and his tremendous troubles. We find that, of course, he and his men return to Ziklag, and when they get to Ziklag, they find that the women, the children, have all been taken captive. I'll tell you what, there's great grieving taking place now in the midst of that empty city. So much so that it says that the men, these men of war, can't cry anymore. They're all cried out. They literally have wept till there are no more tears, and then they turn on David, and they want to kill him. And so we begin to see David and we want to look at David over the course of the next few weeks and kind of understand what it was that David did in this very difficult time of trouble that you and I can also apply to our lives that will help us in the midst of difficulties. We began last time by talking about the reality of trouble in every life. We said, first of all, David's trouble was very real. And you know what? Your trouble is very real. My troubles are very real. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. The fact is, is that your troubles are real. Now again, sometimes we can blow things out of proportion. There are times we can make mountains out of molehills. I understand that. But the fact is, is that if it's a problem to you, then it is a big problem. And whether someone else agrees with it or not, the truth is to you, it's important and it's very big. Well, I can tell you this, David's troubles were real and so are yours. But not only that, David was in trouble, although he was a child of God, we said. And this is an important truth. We recognize that in the book of Acts, as we look back at David's life, we, we hear the Lord speaking and the Lord is saying, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. And yet we're going to see here, although the Lord loved David, David still found himself in the midst of these very distressing circumstances. See, just because we're Christians, we can't expect to be exempt or to be immune from trouble. It doesn't work that way. It is just reality of life. I mean, we're not to think that God somehow has abandoned us or does not, no longer loves us simply because trouble comes into our pathway. That's not what we're to believe. That's not what we're to understand. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. 
He's saying, listen, uh, I'm telling you right now, it's not a strange thing. It's not an unusual thing. It's not a weird thing that you're experiencing trial and tribulation. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, uh, trials in this life are as normal as breathing is. And they may not be pleasant, but they are to be expected. And so that brings us to the next point, which we have not addressed, uh, nor have we discussed. The Lord permitted David's trouble. Now this is a tough one to swallow. But that is exactly the truth. And so we're going to take a few moments and we're going to continue in this particular study the reality of trouble in every life. David's trouble was very real. David was in trouble, although he was a child of God. And now tonight we pick up with the Lord permitted David's troubles. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to consider your word, to look into it. And we are grateful for another opportunity for your Holy Spirit to apply the biblical truths to our life. Help us, Lord, to practically apply what we learn. May we not simply sit through a lesson. May we not simply hear some preaching, potentially, and, and, and allow it to just stimulate us or to encourage us or, or to move us for a period of time. But, Lord, may it truly be driven home and planted deep so that it can bring forth fruit in our lives. Father, we are going to face troubles and we are going to endure trials in this life. May you help us, Lord, to have the proper perspective concerning them. Because, Lord, truly, it is not always easy to accept difficulty in our life. Father, we need you now and we pray for your grace, your mercy and love. May you speak to us through your word and through the Holy Spirit of God. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. The Lord permitted David's trouble. As difficult as it may be to admit, God allowed it to happen. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, here's David, and he comes home after, you know, well, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but he comes home expecting to find his wife and his children and everybody safe, but instead he finds them taken captive by an enemy. I mean, this is David. Of all people, David. We're talking about David who God endued with great power and ability to even take down the giant. We're talking about David who played a harp and was soothed the soul of Saul. We're talking about David, the great psalmist of Israel. And yet, David finds himself in a predicament that none of us would want to find ourselves in. See, he permitted distress to come into David's life just like he did a number of others through the Word of God. I think about Joseph. You you can recall his, his account or we would say story potentially. I mean, this is a young man who was envied, who ultimately because of that envy was hated and then because of that hatred was betrayed by his brethren. We're talking about Joseph, who, as a result, ends up in a pit. He finds himself in Potiphar's house as a slave. 
And the Bible tells us in Genesis 39, 20, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Why? Because he had been falsely accused by his master's wife. This is Joseph who ultimately not only ends up in a pit in Potiphar's house, but in a prison. He was the golden boy. He was heir to the throne of Egypt. He was Joseph, who God loved and favored, and yet a pit, Potiphar's house, in prison. Wow. I mean, are you kidding me, right? I mean, of all people, why Joseph? Anywhere in the Bible do we find anything that would speak of him in a negative light? We never find anything in the Bible, to my knowledge, that says Joseph was a bad person. That he had done wicked things. That he had gone the wrong direction. That he had made some mistakes. No, the fact is, is that as far as we know, Joseph was an exemplary young man. And yet we find him in the midst of trials and trouble. God permitted it. Think of Jeremiah. Turn, if you would, to Jeremiah 37, verses 6 through 9. Jeremiah 37, verses 6 through 9. In Jeremiah, we're going to find that, well, let's just read it. It says, Then came the word of the Lord, Jeremiah 37, 6 through 9. Then came the word of the Lord unto the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Thus shalt ye say to the king of Judah that sent you unto me to inquire of me, Behold, Pharaoh's army, which is come forth to help you, shall return to Egypt unto their own land, and the Chaldeans shall come again and fight against this city and take it and burn it with fire. Thus saith the Lord, Deceive not yourselves, saying, The Chaldeans shall surely depart from us, for they shall not depart. I'll tell you what, <clears throat> we're going to find, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to find that those that he shared this message with despise the message. We're talking about a message of destruction. I mean, here's Jeremiah, he is prophesying and he is sharing what God has said and he's telling them, listen, I want you to understand something. We're going to come to ruin. We're going to be destroyed. They are going to stomp on us. And they're going to turn us to dust. Well, that's an encouraging national message. Well, great. I'm sure glad to hear it. What you're saying is we're going to get, we're going to get ourselves taken to the woodshed by another nation who is wicked, who doesn't know God like we know God. We are God's people. And you're telling me that he's going to use a wicked, vile, wretched nation to bring judgment on us? You're nuts, Jeremiah. You're out of your mind. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, they despised his message, but they resented his method. You say, method? Yeah. You know what his method was? I want you to look closely at verse 6. Notice it says, then came the what? Word of the Lord unto the prophet Jeremiah, saying, watch this now. Here's his message. Thus saith the Lord. I'm going to call this the thus saith the Lord method. 
You don't want to know why they so despised his method? Because it wasn't a mere man that they were arguing with now. They had to argue with God. Can I give you a piece of advice? Never tell people that you're discussing issues with, biblical issues with, well, this is what I believe. This is what our church teaches. This is what our pastor says. No, you say it, thus saith the Lord. Boy, do you do a disservice to people when you turn it into a personal thing. When you take credit for what you believe. Like it's yours. Oh, this is what I believe. Who cares what you believe? Your opinion means nothing to me. I want to know what God has to say. And if they don't want to know what God has to say, they need to know. If you're going to have an argument with somebody, put it in God's court. Don't you argue with them about what I believe, you believe, what this church believes. Who cares what the church believes? Other than that's what God believes. Thus saith the Lord method. You do a disservice in your Sunday school classes when you're teaching your children and you say, now what we teach here at the church is that you ought to have some separation. Now, who cares what this church teaches? In the long run, it better be what God teaches. There's a lot of churches out there that don't teach what God teaches, what God, where God stands. Now, it doesn't make us right because we have a belief system. It makes us right because we stand where God stands. It's the thus say the Lord method. Again, it's really important when we're dealing with the world or our carnal Christian that we never take credit for our beliefs. We're merely repeating God's position on the subject. See, again, we're not, we're not expressing an opinion, but God's position. That's the key to everything. There's where the authority lies, in God's position. And that's why they just, that, I'll tell you, that is why they resented his method. That's why they really despised his, his message, not because he had something to say, but because he said, thus saith the Lord. That settles it. And they said, oh no, you, you will not talk to us like that. He said, go ahead, you can do what you want with me. And they did too, by the way. They beat him, threw him in prison. You know how it goes. You've read enough stories of the Bible. You know how the men of God were treated, how the people of God were treated that stood for the Lord in certain times in history. But he said, you know what? Fine, do with me as you want, but your argument's still not with me, it's with him. It's not my message, it's his message. It's not my method, it's his method. Thus saith the Lord. So it isn't what I believe, it's what God says that matters. See, folks are within their right to dismiss our opinions and. And, and you know what? At times, for good reason. By the way, you know what? I probably, I, I bet you if I look deep enough in your past, I'll find something inconsistent. I'll find that you made a decision one way one time, and you might just have hedged on that a little bit over here. You know what that does? That gives fodder to people who don't want to believe your position. And then they can say, well, you haven't always done it that way either. How's come now? You don't do it that way. You don't say it that way. You don't go stand on that issue the same way you used to, whatever. So why would I believe this one? Hey, listen, you know what? That's the bottom line. They sometimes have good reason for not hearing us out and not taking our position or our place. Yeah, maybe so. But they will answer to God for neglecting or rejecting his word one day. They don't have to accept it, but they'll answer for it. Nobody's going to answer for not following my word. Now, well, let me take that back. I do need to step back. 
Because I, I, I just, I told you an, an untruth because I didn't thus say it the Lord, really. The truth is, according to Hebrews, I watch for your souls, so you are to do things because it's in your best interest to follow your pastor. If you don't follow your pastor, then you are disobeying the word of God, and you will answer for that. So he says, you're a preacher, you shouldn't be saying that. You've got to get an evangelist to come in and say that stuff. <laughs> well, thus saith the Lord, like it or lump it. Jeremiah 37, 15 tells us how they responded, wherefore the princes were wroth with Jeremiah and smote him and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. And this is Jeremiah. This is the man of God. This is a choice servant of the Lord. This is a faithful witness of God Almighty. And yet he's opposed. He's beaten and he's cast into prison. What's going on here? God's allowing it. He's permitting it. Probably of all people, he of all people should not have had to endure that or go through that. And yet he did. That God allowed it. That's a tough pill to swallow. Why am I being beaten? I'm just sharing your message. I'm using your method. Because I'm allowing it. Why am I being thrown in prison, God? I'm just obeying your word. I'm just sharing what you told me to share. Because I ordained it. I don't want to serve a God like that. Go out and serve Satan. He'll treat you a lot better. Yeah, go ahead. Throw your life away. Go ahead and give it to drugs and alcohol and promiscuity. Go ahead and live your life for self. Go ahead and feed the flesh and and go ahead and allow yourself to just go your own direction, live your own life, do things your way and see how that turns out too. Then you you get to deal with it on your own. Not anybody going through it with you and you have not, the grace of God is only as effective as you allow it to be in your life. I think I'll take my chances with him. I think they're pretty good chances. I think that's a pretty good deal. Especially seeing what he endured for us. I, I, you know, I think about Peter. Look if you would in Acts chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. I mean, I've been faithful to God all these years. I've been serving the Lord. I've, I go out soul winning. I teach Sunday school. I work on a bus. I, I'm in the nurseries. I sing in the choir. I, I, I try to treat people kindly, and I try to be fair with others. And why did God let this happen? I don't know why, but he did. You know, sometimes we're quick to try to tell, that wasn't God. It's not God. It's the devil. God allows things in Christians' lives for reasons. I'm not saying that sin isn't the real culprit, but let me tell you something. You can be doing things just right and end up in a bad situation in a bad way. Because sometimes that's where God wants us for reasons. Sometimes reasons we don't understand. And that's not a real positive, some people say that's not a very positive message. That's not a very encouraging message. It's a realistic one. You know what? You know what? You, you tell your kids that the Christian life's supposed to be always wonderful and always good. You know what's going to happen, don't you? Life's not always going to be wonderful. It's not always going to be good. And they're going to wonder what, what went wrong in their life. 
Well, that God, obviously, he turned his back on me because my mom and dad taught me that if you're a Christian, everything should be good and everything should always be right. So something's not right. Either God's dead or I'm not doing something right, so what's the point? Might as well just quit and do things my way because there's a lot more fun going on out there in the world that I can see. My friends are living it up and having a good time and I'm over here trying to live righteous and yet my life's a mess because I've got this physical problem, I've got this emotional problem, I've got this... You get where I'm going? You better not lie to them. You better not tell them the falsehood. They need to understand that sometimes God's going to allow them to go through some things and we're going to see here in a minute that it's for their own good even though they may not see that right then. And the truth is, is that some things have happened in my life that I wasn't real pleased with nor did I want in my life but God wanted to use it to do something to mold me, to make me. And the fact is there's some things that we go through that I can't possibly understand and I pray to God I don't have to go through some of the things that some of you have even gone through. But you know what? Maybe, just maybe, God will say, your number's up. It's time for you now, Mark. Because there's something I want to teach you. Something I want to do in your life. Well, I'll tell you what, that's, that's not a real pleasant thought. And I don't think that we need to be fixated, nor do we need to be thinking about that all the time. The Bible tells us to think on these things. Not those, but these things, meaning the good things. Acts 12, 5 and 6 says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Peter's a chosen vessel here. Can you imagine? I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I mean, here once again, we've got him that's cast into prison, and he is awaiting death. He's awaiting death. He, I mean, he's got a death sentence. And I mean, there's, there's no way he's escaping. I mean, he's, he's chained between two guards. Come on now. And these aren't guards like we have. You know, uh, the big thing right now is, you know, how did that one guy, I can't remember his name, kill himself in prison and all that stuff. And, you know, the guards were supposed to ha- be on rotation every 30 minutes and the guards, for some reason, didn't show up. And now he hung himself or killed himself, whatever it was. To be frank with you, I don't even know how he killed himself. I'm going to tell you something right now. They lost a prisoner. They lost their lives. Uh, no, they lose a prisoner, they lose their lives. That, that, they're not dealing with our prison system. I mean, we're, and, and listen, I, I don't know if anybody was wrong or right in that. I didn't read all that mess. Personally, I could care less about that particular situation. I'm not going to say what I really think, but the fact is, is that Peter is in a position where I promise you he is not escaping, except it be supernatural intervention. And boy, did he ever get it. A chosen vessel, a disciple of Christ, an apostle to the Jew, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet he finds himself awaiting death for his faith and his testimony. Let's just kind of recap Joseph. I wonder if there's any man in the room more pure, more separated, more devoted to Christ than Joseph. Let's talk about, for just a minute, let's, let's consider Jeremiah. Anybody that's willing to stand so boldly as Jeremiah did, take his position amongst the heathen, to literally stand against a culture that had completely and totally turned their back on God. None of us have had to do that yet. Think about Peter, literally knows his life is on the line every time he stands and proclaims the truth. I'm just asking, are any of us even in the league with these men? And yet... God permitted 
their trouble. Do you know today's no different? How should we respond then? How should we respond if bad things happen to us or if we are convinced that after soul searching that there wasn't something in our own life that brought this about, that somehow it just appears or seems somehow that God just let it happen? I mean, how are we supposed to respond to that? We have the example of Job, don't we? I mean, think about Job in chapter 1. I mean, I, I, I want to turn there just because I, I wasn't going to, but I just want to read the, the commentary on Job for a moment. And some of you can turn to Job instead, if it's easier to find. <laughs> I know you know what I'm talking about, but some of you are already mad, so... You're like, I don't get this guy today. Why is he telling us this stuff? Like, we deserve that? No, I'm not saying we deserve anything. I'm just saying that sometimes God allows things to happen. I'm not saying we deserve it necessarily. Look at, look at Job. He didn't. To my knowledge, he, it, it appeared from the beginning that he didn't deserve it. Now, we, I'm just going to have to divert to a little study on Job here real quick. But Job chapter 1, notice it says here, there was a man in the land of us. I, I tell you, every time I see that, I think about Dorothy. I mean, if, if I could right now, I could click my heels and I'd probably be there. But anyway, it says, whose name was Job, and that man was, watch this, this is unbelievable, perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. I'll be frank with you. I, I, would not, I would not even entertain the thought of standing beside Job and going, okay, which one of us is, you know, top dog here? Uh, not me. I'm just like, take your place, Job. I'm going to get ready for the spanking. I deserve it a lot more than you do, Buster. You know what I mean? I, I don't know, but this is where we see. But I, I want you, as good, as godly, as mature, as, as, as much as he feared God and hated evil, before we get too crazy, let's see what he learned about himself before the book ends in chapter, chapter 40. This is a powerful, powerful truth. Make it 42. Chapter 42. chapter 42 verse 1 then Job answered the Lord and said I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withheld withholden from thee who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not here I beseech thee and I will speak I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear but now Mine, I what? Does that remind you of somebody in the Bible? Maybe Isaiah? Remember the, 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 the 
commentary. This man named Job was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And yet, Job, upon seeing him, watch this now, verse 6, comes to this conclusion. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Wow. Now, we're talking about Job, right? He's perfect and upright. He fears God and eschews evil. And he comes to the conclusion when confronted directly with God, when he is, comes face to face with his creator, he, he says, I abhor myself. That's a pretty strong word, isn't it? And repent in dust and ashes. Let's just be honest, all right? Don't answer, but be honest to yourself. When's the last time, talking to myself too, that you abhorred yourself? When you looked at yourself and went, I can't stand who I am. I'm so pitiful. I'm wretched. I'm sinful. I'm nothing. I'm a zero. I'm a big nothing. I'm so out of his league. He's so big and I'm so nothingness. I deserve to die. Last time you felt that way. Can you imagine how much better we would be with criticism if we felt that way when we saw God face to face in our own daily walk? If, he, if we would be humbled by the master, there'd be no one that could humble us by their words. I mean, we would already be so humble that you'd have to lift me up out of the dust. That message was horrible, disgusting. I can't even believe you spent how long preparing that? That was a joke, preacher. Thank you very much. Exactly what I deserve. I appreciate that, that you see me the way you ought to. Because that's really what I am, a big nothing. Outside of him, I am nothing. I'm just saying, we, we wear our pride on our sleeves and we're so proud of it. And we wonder why we're struggling with revival. Wonder why we're struggling with, with a relationship. Why we struggle with accepting what God wants for us in our lives, even if it's a little tough. Job was able to accept it. Why? Because Job was who he was. Not did what he did. It's not going to be what you do that makes you able to say thank you to God in the midst of trial or troubles. It's going to be who you are. And that's the problem. We better prepare ourselves. It's not about doing, it's about being. And Job was being what he ought to be, and that's why, interestingly enough, although overwhelmed with sorrow and suffering, his faith was so firmly fixed in the Lord and in the fact that God is sovereign and that nothing had happened in his life or would happen without God's permission, that Job was able to say in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's an amazing revelation in his life. 
When you can say, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And mean it and actually live it. It's one thing to say it. I mean, we can all quote the verses. But man, that right there is a a massive pill to swallow. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you I got all that figured out. But I know that's what I ought to be, and so that should be the standard. Instead of settling and going, well, you know what? Nobody's really right there in their life. Nobody's really found that place, and, and everybody struggles with that. No, no, that's something I need to work on because that's not how it ought to be in my life. See, that, that's, what, that's, I think, what bothers God more than anything is that we get content and we get <clears throat> apathetical toward God and his standard. And we, we begin to compare ourselves again, uh, with one another. And we go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just as good or better than these people. And, and everybody struggles and everybody has their sin. And God's going, yeah, but you're not supposed to. And if you do, you're wrong. Not them. I'm not judging them right now. I'm looking at your life. And you go, yeah, but God, everybody else, it sounds just like a little kid in our house. Yeah, but mom, he did that and you didn't spank him. But my brother did it and you didn't say nothing to him. I know, but I caught you. And then they want to try to reason with you and talk their way out of trouble. You know, that's what we do as Christians. Talk our way out of trouble. We got to stop trying to talk our way out of trouble and just allow God to have his way. So we should respond like Job did. See, the Lord could have presented Job's, he could have prevented his problem. He could have not allowed the devil to do what he did, but he did allow it. And he could prevent all of our troubles too if he wanted. Anybody believe that God's big enough to erase, to do away with all the problems that come into my life? He's big enough. So if things come into my life, then he must have allowed it then. God allowed these troubles in my life. I look at that prayer list and my heart broke when I heard about that young man in his 40s who had a tumor in his arm and it got busted and they say to him flat out, you will get cancer. Man, my heart goes out to that young man, and I think to myself, man, that doctor messed up. Man, that doctor's going to get sued, I bet. But here's the problem. If you really want to get down to it, if we really want to get to where the rubber meets the road, although maybe the doctor made a mistake, and although maybe something went awry, I don't know. But what I do know is this. No matter how I try to chalk it up, no matter how I try to dismiss it, God allowed it. Because God's big enough to guide the hand of that doctor and not let that happen. And sadly enough, you know what? Kind of scary to me, it could have been me. But wait a second. Am I going to let God be God in my life? See, the biggest lesson that he wants us to learn is to trust him. Even when we can't understand the whys of his dealings, he wants us to trust him. In Romans 8, 28, the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, we can say that to others that are going through trouble. But what about saying it to ourselves? What about when we're in trouble? We look at that verse and we know, we know, we know it says that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to the pur- the, his purpose. See, Romans 8, 28 is still true, whether I believe it or not, or whether I apply it or not, or whether I'm convinced of it or not. It's always true, whether we understand it or not. 
Whether we agree with it or not, it's still true. We are called upon as believers. This is what, this is what he wants more than anything else. He wants us to trust him. No matter what in our life. He wants us to trust daddy. As a parent, we take our children to the hospital. And we permit the doctors and the nurses to poke and prod and bend and break and even cut and slice our children for their own good. We let them do that. Going to have to have surgery. No, Danny, I don't want to get cut. No, I don't want to do that. Son, listen, it's for your own good. If they don't, if they don't do that, you're never going to get better. If they don't do that, your life's going to be shortened. If they don't do that, you're going to find that you can't enjoy life the way you ought to. You're going to find that you can't experience joy and, 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 and the abundant life that is possible. You've got to allow the doctors to do what they do because they're going to help you. And the great physician is in heaven today. And although it hurts sometimes, he wants us to just simply be able to look at him and say, Daddy, I trust you. We tell our children, son, you just let the doctors do what they're doing. You, it'll be, it's in your own best interest. It, you need to do this. Nope. Stop fighting it. Submit to it. Because it's in your own best interest. This is good for you. Whether you understand or not. I know it's going to hurt, but you've got to let them do it. The truth is, if we believe that book, we're being told it might be hurting. It might be difficult, and it may not be in any way pleasant. But you've got to trust Daddy knows what he's doing. And that what's taking place is for your own good. And in the end, it's going to be something that molds and makes you into exactly what he wants and enables you to be the most fruitful, productive, and successful Christian you can possibly be. And it doesn't end with this life. That's what's so hard to understand sometimes. It's not about the quality of living now. It's about the reward and quality of living in eternity. We're too short-sighted. And therefore, we cannot see God at work or do we permit him to work because we only want comfort and convenience now. We do not see past today. But God sees all our tomorrows. I do not have time to address this next thought, but we'll talk about it maybe later. But in one sense, David's trouble was, in a very real sense, his own fault. And we're going to look at that a little bit next time. And then we're going to realize that David's trouble was really a blessing in disguise. Well, I'll tell you what, trouble is going to find all of us. And if we really believe God and his word, 
The old preachers used to say, there's nothing in my life that hasn't already crossed God's desk for approval. Well, I tell you, that's, that's tough to think that my daddy would let me hurt. Unless I remember, he doesn't allow anything in my life that isn't for the best. Boy, that's, that's called believing and trusting. And let's be honest, I war with trusting daddy sometimes. Because personally, I hate pain, I don't want to suffer, and I certainly don't want to go through difficult times. And yet, who knows, we live long enough, it's going to find us, isn't it? But God's going to use it for our own good, and he's going to use it for the good of others, and for the benefit of his kingdom, if we'll just submit and trust our daddy. God help us. It's not easy, but it is biblical. It's thus saith the Lord. So let's just submit to him. We will be more content, more joy-filled, and satisfied than ever. Father, we come to you. We desperately need you. We love you for your goodness and your grace. Help us, Lord, at times. Lord, when we go through these difficult times, to realize that you know, obviously, Lord, we're going to have to soul search. We've got to find out if it's something we did. If it, is it the consequence of a rebellious spirit or a sin or what might be bringing about these troubles or trials? But then again, Lord, that may not be anything we did. It could just be simply you're allowing it in our life. And everything you allow in our life is for a purpose. That's tough. At least from a human perspective. But Lord, if we can see it through your eyes in light of tomorrow, not just today, then Lord, we'll be able to say, I trust you, Daddy. Father, help us now. We need you. We'll praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed as the music plays. Maybe you're going through a difficult time today.